Amen, amen. Well, it's so good to be here today. You guys ready for a Christmas message? Yeah, well, two of you are, so that's great. <laughs> amen. I gotta, let, let, me just, let me just tell you guys that Christmas, is, there's a lot of pressure for pastors during Christmas because you're preaching on a story everyone's read, everyone's heard. I tell you the truth, I had at least four pastors this week call me Text me, what are you preaching on? I need some ideas. It's, it's tough, okay? And I just did one thing. I didn't listen to any other pastors. I didn't really, I just got on my knees and I prayed. How many know prayer works? And as I prayed, I read through Matthew chapter 2. That's our opening verse this morning. This is where we're going to go. In Matthew chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. And this is what the Word of God says. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from the eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. And King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, and as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called the meeting of the leading priests and teachers of the religious law, and he asked, where is this Messiah supposed to be born? They said, in Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are not least among the ruling cities of Judea. For a ruler will come from you who will be a shepherd for all the people of Israel. Then Herod called in private the meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. And he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. And after this interview, the wise men went on their way and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. Not to return to Herod. And I want to preach on this subject entitled, Don't Miss Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I thank You, Lord, for this morning. Father, as we celebrate Your birth and why You came to this earth. But a lot of times, Father, we just get distracted with the pressures of Christmas, the money, the spending, the gifts, the family, the preparations. And I want to thank You, Lord, for this Word that You gave me first in my heart. And I pray that You help me to preach it. Help us to understand it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You guys can have a seat. Thank you for... Don't miss Jesus. As I read through this passage, there are a few people that stood out that really just spoke to me. And I realized something about Herod. 
he missed the greatest opportunity of his life. What is the greatest opportunity of your life? The greatest opportunity of your life is not a job, is not a relationship, is not a possession. The greatest opportunity of any person in life is the opportunity to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. The greatest opportunity of your life is to know that Jesus is Lord, to surrender and bow to Him and give your life over to Him because that is the only thing in this life that will change your life here on earth and forever in eternity in heaven. And what frightens me about the Christmas passage, yes, there's some scary things in it, is that Herod had every opportunity to find Jesus, every opportunity to meet Him, And like the wise men, he had every opportunity to bow, truly bow, and to truly worship and surrender his life to Jesus. But Herod was too stubborn to even do so. In fact, Herod wanted nothing to do with Jesus. And I imagine that today there are so many people who have this opportunity to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, but want nothing to do with Him. And they're missing the greatest opportunities of their lifetime. Of their life. When I read the passage, I realized that it reminded me of a story that I heard. And the story is actually about missed opportunity. His name was Ali Hafed. And Ali Hafed was a poor, hard-working farmer in Africa. And Halid would work day in and day out from sunrise to sunset. He would work endlessly and break his back, toiling the soil and trying to harvest just to put enough food on the table to survive. And every day he worked hard and he worked hard and he worked hard and he just did it and constantly. And he was tired of working so hard. He was tired of the struggle. He was tired of being poor. He was tired of being hungry. He was tired of poverty but he kept working and working and one day when he was out in the fields other farmers gathered together when they were having a a time of break and you know that they started talking to each other and and telling stories and one man told Halid this story and he told Ali you know that one of our buddies he's not here anymore because he actually found a diamond He found the diamond out in one of the fields, way out west. And he's rich now. And there's no need for him to work, and there's no need for him to be hungry anymore. And he's living his life, and he's happy, and he found this diamond that he changed his life forever. And when Ali heard this, He was moved with motivation to find a diamond on his own. And Halid, he actually went back home and he got everything together he needed to. And he actually sold his farm. And he left his wife. He left his children. Never to return again. And he went out west and searched for a diamond because he knew that if he found this diamond, his life would change forever. He would no longer be in poverty. He would no longer struggle. He wanted that so bad. Everything he thought about was the diamond. I need the diamond. And he left everyone selfishly to go find it. He never did. 
He died. Poor. He died empty. One day, the man that he sold his farm to was out in his field working the ground. And he found the diamond. Not just one, but many. In fact, the field that Ali sold was in Botswana, Africa. The largest diamond mine in the world. In fact, last month, one diamond was found and it was 1,098 carats. Worth more than we can count. And that field, that mind, was always in front of Ali. It was right there in front of him, but he selfishly left it all and searched for something else. How different his life would have been. How, how different his entire life would have been had he just appreciated that little poor farm he had. Had he just continued to work and not give up. Had he continued to be faithful and grateful for what he had. But see, he was filled with so much anger and bitterness and discontent and jealousy that he selfishly left it all and searched for something else. Not knowing that everything he was searching for was always right in front of him and I'm afraid that we're living in such a time that everyone is searching for everything that only Jesus can give everyone is searching for love but there is no greater love than Jesus Christ everyone is looking for peace but there is no greater peace found than in Jesus Christ we're searching for identity but your identity is found in Jesus Christ we're searching desperately for joy for happiness but there is no greater happiness than knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and he's right in front of you but you go on and search for something else and then you end up living a life of emptiness discontent searching because you are convinced that once I get this in my life then I will be happy once I have this amount of money in my retirement, in my bank account, then I can have peace of mind. Once I get that pleasurable thing, then I will be happy. Once I have possession of that possession, then I'll have joy. Once I have an influence, once I have power, once I have a relationship, once I have a house, once I have this, once I get the promotion, then I will be happy. And we're selfishly searching for something that only Jesus can give and He's right in front of you. If there's any way I want to describe our world today, it's not horrible. It's not even saying, oh, our world is sinful. We know it is. If there's one way I would describe the world today, it's missing it. We're missing it. If there's any way I can describe our country, 
If I look at the United States of America, I could describe it as a land of freedom and the greatest honor to live in. And it's the greatest honor to be an American. But when I look at America, I say, missing it. When I look at the churches, we're missing it. Well, Pastor, what, what are we missing? We're missing the point of this life. The point of life is not for you to be happy. God does not care about you being happy. He cares about you being saved. We're missing the point of life because we're selfish. We hurt other people and, and we do outrageous things because we're searching for ourselves. We're not only missing the point of life, we're missing the opportunities that God has given us because we are distracted. You have an opportunity not to only have Jesus in your life, you have an opportunity every day to worship Him, but you're too distracted. You have an opportunity to pray to Him, but you're too distracted. You're too busy. you got a lot going on. You have an opportunity to open the Word of God and get to know Jesus, but you're missing it because you're distracted. You're missing it because you're missing out on joy. You're missing out on peace because of misplaced priorities. Things that aren't that important become the most important in your life. And the things that are most important, like Jesus, they take a back seat in your life. We have a place of missed priorities, missed opportunities, and we're missing the point of life because we, like a lead, are selfishly ignoring the fact that Jesus is right in front of us, but we go searching for something else. When I look at the Christmas story, I look at King Herod. Look at verse 3. Look at how he missed it. Do you know the wise men traveled to Herod's palace? And they, they preached to him. Because there were prophets there that told him they got Jewish leaders to prompt, to show him the scriptures. That's preaching. The wise men, they told G, they told Herod about Jesus. The religious leaders told Herod about Jesus. They pointed him to scripture. And at that, at that moment, Herod, he could have gone over to Bethlehem. He could have seen for himself. But notice what the Bible says. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this. He was deeply disturbed. You ask yourself, well, why was he completely disturbed by this? It's because when King Herod heard of Jesus, he thought it was a threat to his life. He thought that Jesus would come to dethrone him. 
And see, Herod was addicted to power and control. And see, a lot of people, the sight and the thought of Jesus disturbs them because you somehow think he's just going to dethrone you and you're no longer going to have control of your life. And I want to be the king of my own life. And the truth is, yes, Jesus will dethrone you because he is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. But it will give you the greatest satisfaction when you serve Jesus as your king. But Herod was disturbed by this. It bothered him to hear about Jesus. How different his life would have been had he just bowed to the feet of Jesus. How different would it have been if he would have worshipped him, surrendered his life. But see, Herod did something a lot of us do. When you think about Jesus, you think about what he's going to take away, what you can't do anymore, what you're going to miss out on. And I hear it all the time when I tell people about Jesus. Well, can I do this? Can I still do this? Can, can I not do that? That is not what Christianity is about. Listen, Jesus Christ is about saving your soul from hell. But it disturbs people about Jesus because they say, well, if I give my life to Jesus, can, can I still do this and, and live this way? See, Herod did not want to give up his throne. Herod, his priorities was all about himself. It was all about money, power, control, fame. Influence. And this is the the desire of so many people in this world. And Herod was not willing to give it up because he knew that if he followed Jesus, he would now no longer be the king of his life. In Matthew 6.21, Jesus said this. Jesus says, wherever your treasure is, There the desires of your heart will be. And that word treasure is literally anything we value above all else. Anything that motivates us. That word treasure means the most important thing of your life. If I would ask you, what's the treasure of your life? The answer may not be Jesus. Your answer may be money. That's the most important because, Pastor, without it, we can't pay bills. We can't eat. We can't survive. So money, money is the most important. And because that's the most important, I have to work. So my treasure is my job. I work and I have to work. And I don't stop working because I need to. And I need to work so I can pay the bills to keep my house because my house is my treasure. Without my house, I'm nothing. What's your treasure today? If you would have asked Herod, it would have been his palace. His reputation. His money. His status. His wealth. What's your treasure today? Don't give me a Christian answer. Jesus. 
Church, look deep within your heart and ask yourself, what is my treasure? Lord, reveal to me my heart. What is my treasure? What is the most important thing right now in my life? What's the most in my mind, in my thought? What consumes my day, my time? What is it that I scare? I get scared of losing? What is my treasure? Is it your family? Is it your child? Is it a job? Is it a house? Is it money? Is it pleasure? Is it a car? What is your treasure? Because Jesus says, whatever you treasure, that's what you're going to desire most and live for. That's where your heart is going to be. And if Jesus is not above all things, you are missing it. You say, well, why? Because of what Colossians 1.17 says. He is before all things. See, the Bible says Jesus is first. Jesus is most important above all things. Highest priority. Is Jesus before all things in your life? Is He before any choice you make? Is He above everything? Is He above your family? Is He above your spouse? Is He above your job, your boss, your co-workers? Is He above? Is He above all things? For Herod, no. And as we go back to that verse, let me look at the second part. He is above all things. And in Him, all things hold together. If it feels like your life is falling apart and you need to hold it together, you hold it together only in the name of Jesus. Nothing else. But notice the Bible says, in Him, all things hold together. Not in money, not in pleasure, not in a person, not in the world, not in their job, and nothing he holds everything together. Do you realize that the Bible says Jesus holds everything together and before Him, all things, all things are held by Him. Can I tell you something with love? And I'll say Merry Christmas after so you feel better. That very thing you put before Jesus he can take it away in a second because He holds it. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. He holds it. And I thought about it this way. I realized when we go, how many of you have a Christmas tree right now in your home? Alright. What's the first thing you did when you set up that tree? It's right in front of you guys. The base. It's the first thing you put on. Christmas is over. It's the last thing that goes. It's literally the beginning and the end. It's kind of like the Alpha and Omega. Kind of like God. The base. The base. The word base literally means foundation, support. How important is the base for a Christmas tree? 
How valuable is a vase for a Christmas tree? Yes, the, the, the ornaments are nice. And the lights and the garland and whatever else you put in the star, it's all beautiful. But do you realize that without the base, it cannot hold together? It will fall apart. It will leave a mess. It will leave you in brokenness. It will make you struggle to keep it together, to hold the tree up. Because if you don't do it with a base, you're just missing out on the peace of having a tree stand. Do you know that when the Bible says that Jesus holds your life together, yes, everything else is nice. The job is nice. The kids are nice. The hobbies are nice. The house is nice. The driving the car is nice. The extra money in the bank account, all of that is nice. But did you know that all of those things are held together and supported with only Jesus Christ? And yet, when was the last time you looked at a tree and said, wow, look at that base? What's the first thing we look at? The tree, the lights, the beauty. But no one ever says, now that's a nice base. We ignore it. We discard it. But do you realize how valuable it is. How is it that we serve a God that holds everything together, yet we treat Him like He doesn't even matter? Like He's not that important. We don't even think about it because we're so distracted by everything else. That's why I visited someone from church this week and, and they had this huge, beautiful tree. And the first thing I looked at was the base. I got hooked on it. And I even told them, I said, wow, that's a nice base. And they looked at me like I was weird. Because I know now the importance of a base. You see, all the, everything that Herod had, the money, the palace, the fame, the power, the control, the influence, all of that was nice, but all of that was only given to him by the grace of God. It was given to him and held together only through God, and he wanted nothing to do with Jesus. You have no, you want nothing to do with a God that has everything in control in your life. How does that play out? And then it gets worse. Because as Christmas comes through, this begins to happen. And we begin to pile around with gifts. And there's so many gifts. Gifts on top of gifts. And it makes it even harder to even look at the base. And you know what I feel like the Lord put in my heart? There's a lot of things in your life that has been gifted to you by God, yet it keeps you away from Him. The child that you have is a gift from God. The job that you have is a gift from God. The breath in your lungs is a gift from God. And the gifts of God keep us away from Him. Distract us from Him. We're too busy for Him. We're too distracted for Him. 
And God is saying, I hold everything together. I'm in control of your life. And in one second, in one half of a second, in one millimeter of a second, I can take away anything I have given you. Anything. Have you ever had a pity party? Anyone show your hand? You ever had a pity party? We all talk about Christmas parties, but how many of you this season had a little pity party of your own? All right, I had a pity party three weeks ago. I was stressed out because of you guys. And the, and, the, and the church bills and this and that and the stress. And, and I, had a, I had a little pity party. I, was, I, was, I, I even told Jerrica, she was coming home, I said, I need time alone. I'm going to go for a walk. I'm, 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 I'm sad and I'm tired and I'm, I'm, just, I'm just discouraged. And I, and I was like, I, pity, pity me, please. And I started, I started walking and I was praying. I always pray when I walk. And I'm, and I'm telling God everything. He'll hear you. He may not always agree with you, but He'll hear you out. And, and I was there almost with tears, like, and, and I was walking, I'm like, God, this, I'm tired of this, and I'm tired of that, and, and, and I'm, and I'm this, and I'm that, and I'm, and Lord, and, and I don't know how long, God, we're, we're going on 12 years, and bro, come on, God, please, like, and I'm there walking, and, and I'm walking, and, and, and for some reason, the Lord is so good. Because I have a route I usually walk. And for some reason, the Lord's like, go left. And I said, Lord, but left is always the wrong way. Look at Biden. Come on. We don't go left. We don't go left in Jesus' name. But I went left. It's the only time ever going left. But I went left. And as I'm walking and complaining and walking and complaining, I looked ahead. It was like the Holy Spirit said, look in front of you. And when I looked in front of me, there, there was this young guy in his 20s paralyzed from the neck down and his mother was spoon feeding him in front of the porch. And it's like God spoke to my heart and said, you know that that guy right there would give anything to do what you're doing right now and walk? I stopped complaining because I realized that God said, the very thing you complain about I hold it so much together, I can take it like that. And David, if I wanted to, I could get your legs to stop working. Or you never even walk again. God, God holds everything together. And yet the gifts that He's given us Distract us. And I pray as we enter this new year that the gifts of God no longer be the reason you don't serve Him. Am I preaching good this Christmas? As you guys look at that, you don't feel so joyful today. That's why I love the wise men. Verse 11, the wise men, they traveled they entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary. They bowed down. The, you know, the, the, in the Greek, that word bowed down, it literally means they just fell down. 
When they saw Jesus, they, they were filled with such joy you know, and they were overwhelmed with His presence that all they could do was fall, fall and worship. That's it. They didn't ask Him questions. They didn't tell Mary, tell me everything. How did it happen? What's the science behind virgin birth? What's going on? They didn't say any of that. They were so wise. They had all the knowledge of when He was going to be born and how and in what region. They had all the science behind the cosmos and the stars. And they had, I'm sure as a wise man, they had a lot of questions. But when they got to that house and they saw Jesus, they just fell. And they just worship because that's what he deserves. When was the last time you just fell? Just worshiped him. And when they fell in worship, the Bible says they opened their treasure and gave it to him. Jesus didn't need any of that. But they gave back to Jesus what he gave to them. Because that gold that they gave Jesus, that gold was created by the earth, who was created by God. That frankincense that they gave was created by God through the plants. They gave back to the Lord. They said, my treasure is not mine. This is yours. And it would not stop me from worshiping you. And I'm afraid that there is a lot of things in your life you treasure more than God and you're not willing to give up and worship Him. But they gave up and gave their treasure to Jesus. But they almost missed it. Well, Pastor, what are you talking about? They almost missed this thing. The Bible says they entered the house. It was two years later. Not a manger. If you have a a wise man inside your little cute manger, throw it out. It's anti-Bible. Go home and get the the wise men and and build a, a dollhouse and put them in there, but don't put them in the manger. Because the Bible says that they went to the house, not the manger. And that's why Herod ordered the children to die two years and younger, because by then it was two years past. You know why I love this? They almost missed it. But they found Him. And there's a lot of you in this church, you almost missed Jesus, but you found Him. And you weren't late. You were always on time because He always called you to salvation. They showed up late. They made a wrong turn. They went to Herod's palace. How many of you have made some wrong turns in your life? You know what I love about Jesus? The wise men traveled and they made a wrong turn and they went to Herod's palace. They were searching for Jesus in the wrong place. Just like Khalid, they were searching for the diamond in the wrong place. But after that detour, they went back on track. Are you grateful for a God that says I can put you back on track right now? I know you've made wrong directions. 
I know you've made wrong choices, but let me tell you, the wise men were lost, but they were men. They weren't admitted. And when those wise men made the wrong turn and they were talking to Herod, God put them back on track. They almost missed it. But what I love about the Christmas story is that from the time Jesus was born, even two years after, that star kept shining for them. It was almost like God was saying, don't do it, don't go that way, that's not where He's at, that's not where Jesus is, you're wasting your time, it's not there. What if God right now is looking at you making wrong decisions, headed the wrong direction, He's looking at you with love, and He's saying He's not there, that's not the answer, that's not what you need in your life, that is not what you should be searching for. The answer is here, the answer is Jesus, but I'm gonna wait, I'm not gonna, I'm just gonna stand right here, I'm gonna keep giving you opportunities, I'm gonna keep shining the star, and I'm gonna get you back on track, because I wanna preach this the way the Lord put it in my heart through Philippians 2, chapter 14 through 16. The Bible says, do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like what? Like stars in the universe. Let me explain something to you. The same way that God kept shining that star to bring the wise men to Jesus, I'm sure that there are people in your, in your life right now you love. There are rebellious children you're raising that right now you don't even know if they're going to fall at the feet of Jesus or not. Are they going to give their life over to Jesus? Are they going to get right back on track? Or are they going to continue to make wrong choices after wrong choices? But the Bible says that we are to shine like stars in our attitudes, in our behavior. And I feel led to tell someone, don't give up hope on that person. If God can redirect the wise man, He can redirect that person to Jesus. Keep praying, keep worshiping, don't give up and keep shining in Jesus' name. And don't ever lose hope. Don't ever lose hope. They found their way. They were far. But they found Jesus. So Herod almost missed, I mean, Herod missed him. The wise men almost missed him. And then we go to the shepherds. They didn't miss him at all. Luke chapter 2, verse 15 says this. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see the things that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Now, I want to pause there for a second because... Notice the three levels of commitment. Herod was no way, never. I will not worship Jesus. Gone. The wise men, a little late, made some bad decisions, were far away from him. But they, they came back to their senses and, and, and they, they got back on track and found him. And then there's the shepherds. Now, as a pastor, I deal with all three types of these people. I deal with Herods. I preach for them. They say, no. Not for me. 
It will be when you're dead. No, that's not for me. That Christian stuff, that churchy stuff. What? Nah, I can't. I'm, I can't do it. And they're like, Herod, not me. And then there are those in this church that are saved right now that I look at their testimony and said, how did you make it? Are you grateful for that? You say, man, you made some bad turns in life. You made some bad choices. You thought you were wise. But I'm grateful that God put you back on track. And then there are those people that every pastor wants. The shepherds. The angel came. Hey, hey, Jesus is born. Yeah? Yeah, I'll see you later. Okay, guys, let's go. They didn't ask him questions. They didn't doubt. And I'm telling you, if I had a church full of shepherds, I don't know where we'd be. Hey, can you come Saturday to help clean? Yes. Hey, church is Sunday. Be on time. I'll be early. <laughs> hey, can you bring some food to the, to the picnic for our anniversary? I'll bring the best. Why? I have a shepherd's heart. The Lord just has to tell me and I'll do it. So I love the shepherds. Some of you are Herods. Some of you are wise men. You think you're wise, but you're lost. <laughs> but He'll get you back on track. But the shepherds, they heard about Jesus. And as a shepherd, your life was pretty worthless. You weren't considered valuable. It was a very poor position to have. It was a hard life. Those shepherds struggled. But the angel showed up and said, hey, Jesus is born. And they said, let's go. What if you would just tell Jesus today, let's go. I'll follow you. I'll trust you. And they got what's sad about this. Look at Luke 2.15. The angel had returned. The shepherds said to each other, let's go. Let's see the thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Look at verse 20. This is sad, but also pretty awesome. The shepherds went back to their flocks. Let me explain something to you. I can't lie to you and sit here as a pastor and tell you, you give your life to Jesus and your life is going to change in the way you want it to change. Where you think that giving your life to Jesus means you're going to be rich from now on, you're going to have a nice house, a nice car, nice clothes, you'll never hurt again, you'll never be sick. All of this prosperity gospel garbage we're preaching in the pulpit is not in the Bible. Did you notice that the shepherds, they found Jesus, and what happened right after that encounter with the Lord? They went back home. I promise you, you might give your life to Jesus today, you're going to go back to work Monday. Same annoying boss, same problematic people, same issues, same problems. They went back to their hard life of shepherding. They went back to the grind, back to the struggle. But here's the big difference. They went back glorifying, praising God. They had a sense of joy in their life. That's something that Jesus can promise you. He can't promise you won't get sick. He can't promise you won't lose your job. 
He can promise you won't lose a loved one. He can promise you're going to have a, an easy life from now on. But here's the thing, that when you have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, like those shepherds, it means that whatever I go through in my life, I can still praise God and I can still glorify Him because He is the base of my life. He holds everything together and I can approach this life with joy knowing my Savior lives and He has my back. That's what I want. Yeah, the shepherds, they weren't as rich and powerful as Herod, but they didn't miss it. Yeah, they weren't as influential and wise as the wise men, but they didn't miss it. Church, don't miss Jesus. Don't be like Halid, who had no appreciation for his life who lives selfishly in search for something else. I believe as a church, we are called to appreciate Jesus every day like He is the most precious of treasures in your life. It means that every gift that God has given you does not interfere, does not distract you, does not keep you from church, does not keep you from Scripture, does not keep you from prayer, does not keep you from serving and loving others. All the gifts that God has given you are just out of His grace. You don't deserve it like salvation. It is a gift from God. Everything you have in your life is a gift from God. But if it distracts you from what's really important, God, who holds everything together, you are missing out on the grace greatest opportunity of serving Jesus Christ. What's interesting is that when Ali got the... He left the house. He left everything in search for what he had right in front of him. But what I found out recently was a man that purchased his land... He found that diamond. But for years, kept it in a shelf. And kept working hard. Kept breaking his back. Kept struggling with poverty. And for years, he had the diamond in his shelf. Had he known, it would have changed his life sooner. And I believe that there's a lot of people that you have Jesus in your life but you don't appreciate Him and you could have had peace a lot sooner, joy a lot sooner, strength a lot sooner, and Jesus is in your life, but you kind of just forget about Him and go on with your busy life and work and busy and work and busy and kids and busy and dinners and busy and Christmas and busy and Jesus is just there. He can change your life, but you just kind of forget Him. And it wasn't until someone came over that said, where did you find that? That this man didn't even know what it was. And when he instantly became one of the wealthiest person in his country, he realized, I lived my life struggling for no reason. Because my entire, all these years, that diamond was up in my shelf. I just ignored it. And I feel like there's a lot of you that have Jesus in your life, and that's awesome, but you sure do ignore Him a lot. 
And as we close, I want to give you a gift for Christmas. I'm not going to say, oh, it's Jesus. Listen, for real, I got you presents. Yes, I'm going to be Oprah now. Like, you get this. You get Come on, praise God. I got you presents. I got you presents. Come on, Maria, give them out. Guys, pass them out. All right, so I want you guys to stand up for a second. Don't open your presents. All right, Maria, did you pass them out? Give it up for Maria. All right. She's giving out my presents. I made this for you guys. Don't open it. Don't open it. Just want to make sure you guys are getting presents from her pastor. I hope you guys got me something because me and Jericho spent a lot of time on this. You know I don't tie bows. Go ahead, pass them out as we close. You can come up, Frank, and you can get ready. You close. You guys got you. When you get your presents, sit down. Just sit down when you get them. I just want to know you guys have them all. Don't open it. Grow up. Don't be a child. Don't open it. <laughs> you guys have it. Sit down. Sit down. You guys have it. Sit down. Sit down. You guys got it? You guys are so excited. It's, it's awesome. Go ahead. Come on, pass them out. Sit down. Come on. You got your presence. Sit down. You got your presence. Merry Christmas, there. I love you guys. Come on. Sit down. There you go. Sit down. Awesome. Merry Christmas. Got your present. Now open it. Go. Open it. Open it. Open it. Put it in your hand. Hold it up high. Hold it up. Put it in your hand. Look at that. Come on. Don't worry. It's not real. It's not real. Where now? Where now? Got it? Look at it. Look at it. Just enjoy it. Look at the girls comparing diamonds. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so. You guys got it? All right, look at it. I want to ask you a question. Let's just say for a minute, I wasn't, I was just, it was real. Let's just say it was a real diamond. That diamond you hold would be worth millions. Can you imagine if your pastor gave you a real diamond like that? I imagine with a real diamond like that, People, I know Maria would give her diamond away because she likes to give to others. <laughs> I know that some of you here would buy us a church, right? I would hope so. I know my father-in-law would run to Bass Pro and get his boat. Oh, mom would get all this stuff for Wiener Dog. And she says she would buy a farm and get every orphan dog she could. Imagine what you would do with that diamond. I know Jerrica would just wear it. <laughs> How would your life change if I gave you that real diamond like that? It would change significantly, right? But here's what would happen. You would leave this church overwhelmed with joy. 
because you know you're about to pay off your house, you're about to go on vacation, it would be the best Christmas. He goes, man, Pastor David gave me a real diamond like this. You would not leave church sad. You would leave pretty excited. You would live with such peace because you know your problems are over because your pastor gave you that diamond. You'll go to work tomorrow just to quit, but you'll tell everyone about that diamond. You'll come back to church and you would tell every person that missed Sunday Christmas service. Could have had a diamond. Your life would change forever. You know, your view of me would change too. I know you guys love me, but you would really love me if I gave you a diamond, right? You would know without a doubt, my pastor loves me. My pastor cares about me. Why? He gave me a diamond. You would have this, this sense of devotion to me. If I would ask you for anything, he's like, yeah, pastor, I'm there because I remember that time you changed my life. You gave me that diamond. Your whole life will change. You know, that's what Christmas is all about. God loves you so much. He gave his greatest treasure, his diamond, Jesus Christ, to come down to this earth to die for our sins because he loves you. And yet, we get that precious treasure, Jesus. And we don't even value it like you would that diamond in your hands. Some of you, you leave church on Sundays and you're still down. You're still sad. You're still depressed. You're still discouraged. But do you realize you have the most precious gift ever given by all mankind? Jesus Christ. So you have to live your life like you have a diamond. You have to look at God like you would me and say, I love you, God. I'm devoted to you. I will do anything for you because what you did for me cannot even compare because you gave me the most precious thing you have. Jesus. You wouldn't take that diamond and put it in your shelf and then say, okay, next Sunday, I'm going to come back to the shelf, hold it for an hour, admire it, and then put it back. But that's what you do with Jesus. You come to church on Sunday, you worship a little, you sing, you go back home, and all week long, you forget about Him. How would your life change if that diamond was real? Because that diamond is not real, but what is real is how much God loves you. How he gave you the most precious son to die on the cross for your sins. And yet we treat him like he's worthless. With every head bowed and every eye closed today. Father, I just thank you for this message. I thank you, Lord, that you've given us this most precious gift. Father, I pray and I ask that we not go searching for something else when it's right in front of us. Joy is right in front of us. Peace is right in front of us. 
a changed life is right in front of us. My question is, what will you do with Jesus? If you're a Herod today, you're saying it disturbs me because I want control of my life. I want to do what I want. Herod missed out because the Bible says that Joseph and Mary and Jesus went to Egypt and God specifically told the wise men, do not go to Herod. Herod did not know that that opportunity he had to go to Jesus would be his last. You don't know the last opportunity you're ever going to have to have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And the Bible says that while they were in Egypt, Herod died. Herod would die without knowing Jesus, but knowing he had every opportunity to. Don't be a Herod. Today, if you're here and you're saying, Pastor, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to surrender to Him. I know He is the only way to salvation. You see, the Bible says He so loved you that He sent His only Son, Jesus, to die on the cross for our sins. And if anyone believes Him, they will have eternal life. that's you this morning you're saying pastor I don't want to be a Harry would you just put that hand up for a second so I can acknowledge you here God bless you God bless you all across the room God bless you and if you're here today and you're maybe a wise man and you're saying pastor I know that I have Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior I know I'm a born-again believer. I know. But I've made some wrong turns lately. I'm in the wrong place in my life. I know where I should be. I know the stars over there. I know where I should be, but I'm not. And I need to get back on track. My prayer today is that you would acknowledge to God that no matter where you're at, if He would help you get back on track, would you take it? And if that's you today, you're saying, Pastor, I want the Lord to put me back on track. Or if you're here today and you have a loved one, a family member that's off track right now, far away from the Lord, the Lord can set anyone free. And if that's you today, would you also put your hand up and say, Pastor, this is me. I'm off track right now. God bless you. God bless you all around the room. It's okay to admit it. I'm off track. But that shining star kept shining until they got there. The Lord will not stop shining for you. He will not give up on you until you get back on track. And if you're here today, you say, I'm a shepherd. following Jesus I love the Lord God my life is hard I'm struggling my life my my physical life hasn't changed I know that I've had an encounter with the Lord but I'm still in the fields I'm still working hard I'm still struggling but I'm losing my joy I'm losing my praise Would you confess that to the Lord today and say, Pastor, 
that's me today. And I want to be like the shepherds. I want to be able to say no matter what I go through or what doesn't happen or what doesn't change, it will never take away my praise that God deserves. If that's you, would you put that hand up? Come on. God bless you. All around the room today. Let's all stand to our feet and pray together. Dismiss. As we enjoy the rest of our Christmas, don't let the gifts keep you from the one that holds it all together. Heavenly Father, I pray for the first ones. I pray for the Herods. If you're a Herod today, would you pray this with me from your heart? Just say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Forgive me for being disturbed by you, Father. Today, I humbly bow before you and ask you to forgive me of my sins as I surrender to you. In Jesus' name, save me. And Father, we pray right now for the wise men, for those that know you as Savior, but they're off track right now. Would you pray this with me? Say, Lord Jesus, I confess and agree I am off track. I am far away from you. I am backslid. I am not where I'm supposed to be right now. I know better. I'm wiser than this. So, Father, thank you for continuing to shine and lead me to where I need to be. And today I ask you to put me back where I belong and help me to get back on track and change the direction of my life like you changed the direction of the wise man. In Jesus' name. And if you're here today and you say, Pastor, I'm a shepherd. I'm not off track. I'm not far away from the Lord. I'm not backslid. I'm saved. I know that I'm good right now with the Lord. I'm righteous before him through Jesus. But I've lost my joy. Hey, Christmas is hard. This is a Christmas that we're still with the coronavirus. Some of you have lost. There's someone in the back right there who lost her husband this Christmas to coronavirus. Would you put that hand up for a second? Back there, Lewis. There she is. She lost her husband this year. A man, a woman of God. And it's hard to have joy when something like that happens. It's hard to praise God. We all have problems. So Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you give us the joy of our salvation. Help us to continue to live this life with a thankful attitude. That even though nothing changes and even though we struggle and even though we're in the fight of our lives, we will have joy because we know you are our God. And I thank you for this service and for this Christmas message. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, give God some praise today. You guys are blessed. Amen. You guys can have a seat for a moment. I want to thank you guys. You guys blessed by today's Christmas message. I promised that I would preach on Christmas. I know I don't like to, but I gave you your Christmas message. There you go. Take it. And take those diamonds. Put them on your shelf as a reminder that the greatest treasure should never be neglected. Amen? Amen. Well, I have a couple of announcements for you guys as we just prepare for our tithes and our offering. I want to thank you guys for your faithful support of our ministry. For everything that you guys have done for our church 
these are the ways that you can give online. You can give online through our apps, on, on the internet, through our website. You can make out a check to forwardfellowship.com. And during this busy season, and during this time of inflation, during this time of Christmas and shopping, it can be very difficult for you to say, I'm going to just give what I know I should give. I'm going to give what I can. I can. I'm going to give out of my obedience to the Lord. But I pray, I really pray you have a shepherd's heart. Some of you are harried right now. You're disturbed by this. But I pray you have a shepherd's heart and say, Lord, you say to give, you say to tithe, and I will do it. So as we prepare for our tithe and our offering, I want to pray for them. And then Jerrica is going to come up with some other announcements. Father, thank you for today's offering that we're about to receive. Father, continue to meet our needs as a church. We thank you, Lord, that we're going on 12 years as a church. And we've gone through a lot together. We have fought together. We have cried together. We've laughed together. But Father, you are the base of this church. You are the support. We're nothing without you. So I thank you, Lord, for holding us together, for supporting us. So Father, bless this offering. Continue to provide and meet our needs, not just as a church, but our personal needs as well. In Jesus' name, amen.